Medic! Welcome back to the Medic Up Podcast. Here's part two of Mr. Joe Connolly sitting down with us talking about his work he does with NYC Medics, the relief organization that responds to worldwide disasters. Don't forget to check out in the show notes our sponsors, Fuel the Machine Apparel, www.fuelthemachineapparel.com, and Medical Gear Outfitters, www.medicalgearoutfitters.com. Remember, free shipping at Medical Gear Outfitters, and there's a link in the show notes. It's going to get you 10% off your order. These guys are great enough to sponsor us. So if you're looking for uh, customized first aid kits or ready-built first aid kits, Medical Gear Outfitters has you covered. And if you're looking for cool t-shirts to rep part of the lifestyle, you know, for EMS, they're tasteful. They look awesome. Like I said, Uber Lance is my favorite. Check out fuelthemachineapparel.com. Check out the show notes for the links. Go check them out. Thanks for listening, guys. Not to switch gears. I mean, I'm absolutely excited about that. Can I, can I switch gears a little bit to NYC Medics? Can we talk yeah. about that real quick? Yeah. Awesome. Um, and while I was busily stalking the internet combing the internet for contact information for you uh your name had come up about nyc medics and the relief stuff that you guys do uh Mm -hmm. and it had i think i found the story from maybe syria Uh, did you guys go you guys iraq okay we went iraq um 2017 Right, yeah. I wrote a piece for EMS, EMS World. Okay. And can you tell us about that, the history of... I know it started back in 05, 06, maybe. Am I off a couple years? It was after maybe yeah, sure. typhoon or something? Yeah, yeah. I was working in... I was still paramedic in New York. And we had... Um, we actually tried to go to Katrina and couldn't... They sort of stopped... Uh, relief workers, aid workers, or, you know, anybody from volunteering. As FEMA took over. And I remember we were disappointed about that. And then this other guy who worked in New York, I didn't really know at the time, but he was coming around looking for people who were interested in going to Pakistan, uh, which after this earthquake in 05, um, there was something like 70,000 people died in um, I just remember it was, it was in that almost the same year as Katrina, and then just before that was that big tsunami. And we said, sure. And somehow we pulled it off. That first trip was just about calling, and we got plane tickets. Uh, you know, we got all these donations of materials and stuff, and we ended up jumping on this plane and with uh, just ragtag collection of 12 mostly New Yorkers, knuckleheads as we called ourselves. And uh, we, uh, we got to Islamabad in the capital, and it was all choked off, and we were supposed to go to work in this clinic, and we somehow we bribed uh, this Navy pilot, I remember with a bottle of Grey Goose, to take us to this clinic, but he ended up taking us, I don't know, 10, 20 miles above, above that where no one had been to yet. And we were dropped off. The helicopter took off and this bunch of Pakistani army soldiers walking towards us with their guns pointed at us saying, what are you doing here? And, uh, 
we just set up we set up a little clinic, you know, in this little broken down house, and we started working. And people were bringing us their patients from miles away on homemade litters, and so we just started hiking um, up to where they were coming from. We'd set up clinics, and then we keep moving up. And um, near the end of that month, I, this uh, group from 60 Minutes came, and they ended up doing a story about us. And uh, it came out, and it was a big, uh, it was a big hit. You know, there was all these donations came pouring in even before we we had an official organization or or even a name yet. And that's how it started, and then. You know, we've been Haiti and Nepal and the Philippines, um, and then this this opportunity to to set up a trauma stabilization point in Iraq during this the, the Battle of Mosul, which was raging um, at the end of 2016 and 2017 in which uh, the Iraqi army was trying to push ISIS out of uh, northern and western Iraq. And um, the WHO, World Health Organization, was looking for any group that was willing to send teams out to establish these trauma stabilization points because they were losing so many soldiers and civilians in these ambulance rides that weren't well-equipped and and worst off were often directed to places that couldn't handle them. So a big part of what we did there was to, well, stabilize the soldiers and civilians very close to the front line and then um, direct them to a place that could handle them. And you guys are just out there doing it. Like how, and even from the start, even up until that point in in Mosul, is I would say I would assume that people kind of changed. Like in that original thing in the Pakistan Pakistani earthquake, it's just you know twelve people. You know, did anybody have like austere medical training, prior military, you know, or were they just like, hey, I want to help? Uh, pretty much. I mean, the first couple of teams were mostly groups of people who had been on the disasters before. Um, but eventually, you know, we, we got brought in a, a wider pool of medics and PAs and um, doctors, surgeons from all over the country, even all over the world, you know, and, and we still have that name NYC Medics, but it is a wide range of healthcare workers great people um right now we're we're trying to establish a similar thing in yemen um both a tsp as well as that that triage service and um and also uh education so helping to train ems services uh we have a proposal in yemen that I think is going to happen. Um, there's been proposals. They're still up in Turkey and uh, Central America. We'll see what happens next. That's great. So it's you know 100% full on 
non or NGO organization type thing, and now you're going to have that worldwide reach, which is that's great. Um, what uh, what are, I mean, did I don't know? So speaking on the civilian medic side, you know, NYC EMS in the '90s, rural EMS now. Any parallels to you know? I I would assume being an NGO in a war zone is probably just as helpless as being the only medic in the middle of the Adirondacks waiting for some transport on a cardiac arrest. Like it's that very helpless feeling or does it kind of one of those things where, you know, it's, it's overwhelming when you get there, like responding to a disaster. And then by day three, you kind of have your work rest cycle and you're kind of used to the smells and the sights and the sounds or am I off the mark? Yeah. Um, I, I would say New York city was, was the most helpless in those days in, in which it just seemed never ending. Like there was, there was no relief in sight, but for me working on a TSP in which, you know, you just got 15 minutes to <clears throat> get a line and get some pain medicine, get some antibiotics and um, you just keep moving and you can see the results of, of the difference you're making for these people. Um, and I would say working in, in the rural EMS, um, yeah, sometimes, sure, you're on the scene and you're alone and no help is coming, but I don't know. I kind of sometimes like that um, because you can make a difference, you know? You can make a real change in the people and you often know the person and you know the family and and your help you know is going to reach the patient and the family and and the town um as far as doing the tsp stuff you guys see a lot and i'm asking because i do a lot of um and maybe not a lot but uh tactical medical uh education on like uh stop the bleed and tactical emergency casualty care stuff like that. Do you guys see? Do you guys see a lot of tourniquets doing their jobs? Some, some failures too, you know. And some, some. I one of the first guys brought in had a poorly applied tourniquet and ended up dying uh, as he was brought in. Um, it was just really interesting to see so many gunshot wounds and uh, just learning how to pack a wound, keep the pressure on, um, <clears throat> stable, uh, stable amount of fluid, but really not too much fluid. Uh, in New York City, you know, I was I probably, for a time there, was doing a gunshot almost every night, but this was different. You know, these are big caliber <clears throat> bullets for the most part. And, um, and also the the care, the trauma care has expanded so much. It's much more, I, I, I mean, I think it works. Right. I mean, it's, you know, we always kind of tell everybody, you know, we've all known, you know, a lot of most, if not all of our EMS techniques really come as an evolution from war zones or prior wars. You know, everybody uses mass trousers as the, the example, like you now they were used in Vietnam and then we had them on the trucks and now they're gone. And then you have people like me who go, they'll come back. They'll be called something different when we really start to study them saying these are beneficial or there's a facet of them beneficial, uh, you know, tourniquets for years. Don't put them on. You'll lose the limb. Commercial tourniquets come out. 
and now right. it's properly right. applied tourniquets, tourniquets first, you know, we can keep them on six, eight, 14 hours, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, you know, advances in microsurgery, advances in reperfusion and trauma care. Now, you know, how many years did we put two large bore IVs and run them wide open on our trauma patients? And now we say, hey, whole blood is the way to go. Or, you know, low titer O positive is the way to go or fresh frozen right. plasma. So it's good. I mean, it's, I hate that it has to come from conflict, but I'm glad that we're looking at it to further, you know, our trauma care or our, our EMS care that we can translate into the field and through evidence-based medicine and and that there's people out there even in those in those areas that are watching it and can say even anecdotally like yeah i saw this pro it was poorly applied and you know it contributed to the death and you guys turn around and say let's do the education let's get some education out there in the different areas of the world and, you know maybe we can decrease that the incidence of that happening so that's great you know you guys are doing some full circle stuff there and it's absolutely beneficial, I think. It's my opinion, but I think there's probably people having tourniquets applied in war zones that uh, agree. So, every trip I've been on is is life changing. I I can't say enough about the experience <clears throat> of going to a foreign place, you know, and especially a place like Iraq or Pakistan. You know, there's so much there's so many stories about about these places but we really don't know until you meet a lot of these people and you realize you know they are like us in many ways in and um in a lot of ways so grateful how hard how hard is it uh, maybe that'll probably come out wrong how hard is it to do that on a volunteer basis like it's it's it makes me sound like such a bad person. It's very hard for me to understand how I can put my my life and my family kind of on hold to say I'm going to be gone for about 15 to 30 days to go volunteer. You know, is it ah oh man, it's so hard to it's hard to articulate that, I guess, for for me. Like how do, how sure. do you how do you do it? Like I mean, I understand why you do it. I understand why we want to do it. We want to help. It's in our nature. You want to be part of something bigger. Those are those are easy. But just the financial end of it, when you have so many medics who live paycheck to paycheck, or you know, oh, I know. have other stuff, Absolutely. have other stuff going on. Like, is there, and and you know, they're usually not for profit organizations or NGOs. I mean, it's not like they're pay, they're not going. Oh, we'll subsidize your pay. How how much were you making? Oh, I was a medic in California, I'm making ninety two thousand dollars a year. Figure it out. Oh, versus uh, the medic in South Carolina yeah. who's making forty two thousand dollars a year. You know two weeks of pay versus two weeks of pay in California are a big difference. I mean, it's, you know, how, sure. how does that kind of go? Yeah. Well, like I said, well, and especially too, like in Mosul, you get there and it's, we're in the, we're up in the mountains in the North and it was below freezing at night and there's no heat. And now we're, we're having a, uh, light fires outside, you know, to try and stay warm. And, uh, you know, the howitzers are blasting, shaking the windows, pushing the clothes right against your skin. And, uh, you know, there was a grenade landed <laughs> just down the road from us. And, uh, but again, every time I've gone, it, it, I can't say enough about the rewards, not financial, obviously, but in every other way. And they can't, you know, doing that TSP in Iraq and in each trip I've gone on it, it, it's that it revives me, <laughs> you know, makes it easier 
and make and makes me better when I come back. That's great. Yeah. That's that typical help others and you help yourself type. I, I think mentality that a lot of EMS people have, or a lot of healthcare workers in general, I think have. So I mean, that's I mean, it's great. I think it's great. When I read the story, I was I saw the picture in gems. I was like the same joe Connolly wrote the book and then it said like referenced it i was like man that's really cool i mean to just continue can have it continue that career and you know see the the progression of of what you've been through for you know what last almost coming up well almost 30 30 plus years yes somewhere close to that 30 uh 31 yeah unbelievable I know, and we're all working two jobs. But I also have to tell you that I had the best group of, of uh, guys and, and women um, in New York City. And it was that first trip we went on, it was most of those people who I'd already worked with. And we had already been through so much together. Um, it was it was amazing. Yeah, that definitely makes it probably a little bit easier on the on the on the brain realizing that you know, again middle of a war zone completely dependent on foreign military to keep you keep you safe and you know not really knowing when this stream of patients is going to come in or my donated supplies are going to be in short supply or run out and you know i think that's in my head i can't it's, it's way hard way harder for me to to relate to at all um, but i'm glad there's people out there doing it so very cool um and you guys have, uh, you know, it, when I was, I think, in fact, I, I don't know if it ever made it to you or if it was because I actually went through the Twitter page for NYC Medics is like, this sounds weird. Maybe you can give me his contact info. Like I'm some random person. They're like, yeah, we're not going to give it to you, but we'll, we'll let them know you're looking for him. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, right. I was yeah, like, oh, great. <laughs> I was like, thanks guys. But, uh, and I started when I was again, looking through research and, reading about you know how it expanded since it started i think it's a it's a great organization um and then you know connecting the dots through the gems article and and seeing how you guys kind of were leapfrogging with the two teams that were coming in on alternate months i was like man that's really they're really going to some some faraway places that you know i hear i hear a lot of other not maybe not a lot of i follow um, the global medical surgical group uh, on their Instagram, and those are a lot of prior military service guys, and those are from the tactical medical side of it, uh, mm -hmm. seeing what they do. Sure. And I was like, wow, here's the civilian group who is doing this, the, the same type of work, and you know, they're, they're getting out there, they're doing it. And then, I mean, I'm sure there's a plethora of other NGOs out there doing it, but it was really cool to have that that kind of relation and see some civilian medics out there doing a good job and putting really going into harm's way and, and doing what they needed to do. So. I can't say I was so lucky to be in that right place at that right time to get on that first trip and to be a, a co-founder of the group. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are doing good work. So keep it up. Um, what else? Anything else you got before I find a weird way to wrap this up? <laughs> no, no. It's been a pleasure talking to you, man. I really, um, I really yeah. Hopefully, it. hopefully we'll see that third book out with uh next year i'm thinking early next year that's my goal all right well we'll definitely have you back on and yeah uh, or before then or we'll find something cool to talk about um you're one of the most laid-back people i've ever talked to <laughs> i got the i got that new york accent the medic attitude but you sound super laid back and people are gonna think i made you up so <laughs> well i'm in newcomb new york which is a population of about 250 and uh i do about one call 
a month. Uh, I'm signing up. I'm signing up to come run with you. <laughs> One call a month. I'd be all over it. Yeah. No, it's it's a kind of a, I guess you'd call it a retirement shift. It's all right. Everybody needs that, man. Everybody needs it. <laughs> well, good, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for what you do. Uh, I love the way you write. I'm absolutely good. Uh, uh, Crumb Town is on my list. It's on my short list. Uh, your second, your second book, and uh, absolutely the new one. And um, I'll find an address for you someday. I'll probably send it to the fire department. Maybe sign my copy of Bringing Out the Dead. Maybe. Oh sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you got it, Chris. Awesome, nice man. Great talking to you. All right. All right, man. Bye-bye. See ya.